We are in Surah Al-Qasas, Surah number 28, and um, Ayah 57. وَقَالُوا إِنَّ اتَّبِعُ الْهُدَى مَعَكَ نُتَخَطَّفْ مِنْ أَرْضِنَا أَوَلَمْ نُمَكِّلْ لَهُمْ حَرَمًا آمِنًا يُجْبَى إِلَيْهِ ثَمَرَاتِ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ رِزْقًا مِنْ لَدُنَّا وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَهُمْ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ وَكَمْ أَهْلَكْنَا مِنْ قَرْيَةٍ بَطِرَتْ مَعِيشَتَهَا فَتِلْكَ مَسَاكِنُهُمْ لَمْ تُسْكَمْ مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا وَكُنَّا in this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses the story of Musa al-Islam, his uh, initial residence in the palace of the Fir'aun, and then his escape from Fir'aun, and then how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him Nabuwa and the Torah, and then how that relates to the Muslims of Makkah, uh, it relates to the Quraysh. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not give any divine authority to anyone, not even to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Here in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses the role of economics in the framework of a religious community and a religious society that Musa salam lived in the palace of Fir'aun his needs were taken care of his financial, economic, educational needs were taken care of and here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that this is a ni'mah the Quraysh's need economic, social and cultural needs were taken care of because of the Kaaba, because of the Haram, because they were the custodians of the Kaaba, and because the Kaaba was a shrine to which everybody in Arabia came, paid their honors and their respect, and along with that came a lot of trade, business, commerce, to and fro from Mecca, and so on. So Allah subhanahu wa mentions this as a divine favor to the Quraysh, which was the reason for their existence in the desert. Otherwise, Mecca, as you know, is situated in a barren desert where there is no vegetation, no life, no water. The water that did come came through the auspices of Ismail and Hajar, and then their food came as a result of the subsequent building or rebuilding of the Kaaba by Ibrahim and Ismail So here, Musa was given security despite being in the house of Shirk and the Fir'aun and the Quraysh are given economic security despite corrupting the house of Allah. And they say, 
that if we now follow guidance with you and your guidance, we will be torn out and taken away from our land. Our economic prosperity and security is because of our beliefs and our idol worshipping and so on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds to this by saying that did we not make it easy for them to secure themselves through the means of a haram, a sanctuary that is not only the Kaaba and the haram outside of the Kaaba, but also the geographic nature uh, of Makkah itself. That uh, the geography of Makkah, meaning going to Makkah in, in of itself, is a huge ordeal. The mountains uh, that are towering above the valley of Makkah and uh, Makkah, and you would not be able to access uh, that place except with extreme difficulty. So even if an army wanted to come, the army will not know where to camp and how to come into the gates of Makkah because of the geography. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned this also as a ni'mah, as a favor that he has provided you security. And the reason he's providing you security is because of the Kaaba. يُجْبَى إِلَيْهِ ثَمَرَادِ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ and uh, many produce of different types come to you, they're drawn to you, they're brought to you as a means of provision from our side. So we provide for you in a desert. This is the miracle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, providing and risk and provisions for all people. And that is how the Quraysh uh, existed. But the truth is, most of them don't know. They don't know or realize this truth, and if they do know and realize this truth, they will not expose it, and they will not uh, submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's provision, His ability to provide, and uh, His blessing that He still provides despite them being in violation of Allah's laws of not worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so on. Then the Quran makes it's a universal statement as to how he is in control how Allah is in total control of provisions in the world. If Allah wants to he can provide for someone who was otherwise destined to die in the palace of the person who was supposed to kill him. And if Allah wants, He can provide for uh, people in a barren desert where access to that desert is almost impossible. That's how Allah subhanahu wa is. You can't compete with that. You cannot fathom that. As the Prophet said that if you believe and you have tawakkul in Allah the way you should and you rely only on His fadl, you will know that you will come back to your house leaving in the morning uh, being well fed and with provisions just the way a bird comes back to its nest with food in its beak uh, so just as the bird goes out to look for food 
for itself and uh, for its fledglings. Allah subhanahu wa says, and the Prophet said, when you leave the house and you believe Allah will provide for you, you will come back with food. It's a question of mind over matter, a question of belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides for all creatures within the crust and the core and the ground and also in the air on trees and everywhere else so why would he not provide for human beings however there is another order which is higher than the order of most human beings and that is the order of sin and good deeds that there is cause and effect if you start a fire, the fire will burn, and everything in its path will be destroyed. Likewise, Allah subhanahu wa is saying that there is an order in the moral world, and that if you stoop to immorality, you will lose what Allah has provided you with. You cannot override that system. You're not immune from that just because you are you. And the proof of that is in history. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this history. وَكَمْ أَهْلَكْنَا مِنْ قَرْيَةٍ بَطِرَتْ مَعِيشَتَهَا بَطِرَتْ مَعِيشَتَهَا فَتِلْكَ مَسَاكِنُهُمْ لَمْ تُسْكَمْ مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا وَكُنَّا نَحْنُ الْوَارِثِينَ Now Allah says that there were so many communities and towns and cities and villages that we destroyed because it became so arrogant and thankless for its livelihood and it became heedless to the calls of morality by the prophets so there were the Ad, there were the Thamud, there were the people of Shu'aib in Madian and there were the people of Nuh and there were the people of Fir'aun, Fir'aun himself and so on there was Namrud, and there were others that were mentioned in the Qur'an that they were so wealthy and rich and powerful that they assumed wrongly that their power and their wealth would last forever. Nothing in this world lasts forever. So they ignited, ignited the fire of shirk and kufr and immoral behavior and that eventually just consumed them in one way, one shape, one form or another. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying as a factual statement. There are so many of them. So when you go through the land and you tour the world, then uh, other than saying that they were great civilizations, take on the moral aspect of saying, where are they now? Did they last forever? Did they remain forever? They were powers at one time, now they're in the ground, or they're destroyed, or whatever they are. They do not exist, neither <coughs> does their kingdom, nor do their, their dynasties, nor their wealth. And this is the message Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to the Quraysh, that you still have time to repent and come back to Allah, and to come back to Tawheed, and believe in the moral conduct of human beings, and that will preserve you, that will preserve your economy to preserve your people, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through Allah's fadl, they eventually did so later on. These are their dwellings uh, that were never inhabited after them, except very few. 
and for a very short time. And it is us, we were those who inherited. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remains, and his ownership of the land and earth remains. In the Allah, indeed the planet of earth is for Allah. Land belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No one remains forever. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remains forever. Indeed, we are the ones who will inherit and do inherit whatever other people leave behind. So the code is, first and foremost, belief in one Allah as one's Lord, caretaker, maker, creator, provider, etc. And the second is to follow the moral code and behavior of Prophet that they will give you permanency, not in this world, but in the other world. No one will ever claim to live in this world forever, but those who follow prophets, they will live in the other world with peace, security, and provisions that are beyond any human being's imagination. This is one code Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expresses in this story, because this is the story of Musa and Fir'aun. So, Fir'aun's inability to appreciate Allah subhanahu wa lordship cost him not only his kingdom, but also the lives of his people. And likewise, as a warning to the Quraysh, Allah subhanahu wa is now giving them also this nasiha and this advice that in history, in human history, you will find that you know of so many people who have come before you, but they no longer exist. Where are they? You have no idea what's happening to them in their graves, but Allah knows, and He's informing you through Muhammad. Another cause and effect in the larger scheme of Allah subhanahu wa plan for the world, for the universe, is this ayah. Allah subhanahu wa says that your Lord is not about to destroy nations, uh, communities, civilizations, uh, cities and villages until he has raised in uh, uh, their original township, in their mother town, a Rasul, a messenger who recites to them our signs and his signs. So Allah subhanahu wa is saying, as a rule, we will only destroy people when they reject a messenger. When people reject a messenger, Allah will then improvise and create the means by which uh, they will be destroyed. That's when you reject a messenger. And when you deride a messenger, there's no stopping that. Whether Muslims concede or don't concede, that's going to happen. It won't happen through the Sharia, it'll happen through something else. That is the law. You do not insult the Rasul of Allah and get away with it. Any more than you reject the Rasul of Allah and get away with it. It is not possible in the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is cause and effect. You can have insurance. There is no insurance against this. It will happen. We won't condone it in terms of Sharia, 
But in terms of ayat like these, there's cause and effect. You start a fire, the fire will spread. Yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not stand for anyone doing this to his Rasul. So that's one. Well, that's one aspect. The other aspect is that when Allah sends a Rasul with reminders through the human construct and the human scheme and the human uh, world of law and order, not the angelic law. So there's an angelic law which is called Malakut. So in that, in that world, there, there, there is a cause and effect, where the angel will say, these people are committing shirk, and these people are being immoral, and these people are doing this and this. Therefore, yeah, fundamentally, they should not exist, because they are not doing what they're supposed to do. If you want to do it from, strictly from uh, the peer, peer and L okay, construct, profit and loss, that you look into a company, the company is losing more money than it's making, then what do you do? You either say, okay, I'm going to cut down and uh, just fire uh, half of the staff so that my profit goes up and my losses go down. Or I'll just close down the company. When the angels look at human beings, they say, this is profit and loss. That's an assessment, that's an evaluation. It's not supposed to happen. There are many more evil people in the world than there are good people. As Allah says, Most of them, they don't know. So, if it's mathematical, then in the law of the angels, no one should remain on the planet. Right? That's mathematical calculation in the world of the angels. That's all they see. In the construct of human beings, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through his fadl, his rahmah, his mercy, and everything else that goes along with it, says, no, I'm going to override what the angels see and calculate by sending a messenger, a human being. Because a human being's assessment cannot be that calculating. Right? Yeah. That's a lesson for us also to learn from this paradigm that you do not treat human beings like numbers. You're not performing, you're not doing the job, so therefore I don't want you in my life. If we did that, we wouldn't have families. <laughs> if you do a P&L every day of our family, and if we asked our spouses every day to do a P&L analysis, mathematical analysis, we'd both say, let's kill each other. <laughs> Every day we're in a state of loss. Every day we're in a state of loss. Why? The PLL, they just suggest that. We're no good. We're redundant. We're just duds. We don't perform, period. So Allah subhanahu wa says, as a rahmah, my rule is that I will not destroy human beings until a human being comes and tells them, you still have room for tawbah. You still have time for tawbah. You still have time to come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You still have time for forgiveness. You are human beings, you're not a machine. Okay? And you have emotions, you have sentiments, you have sensitivities, you have frailties. You will disappoint 
more than you succeed. Right? That's how you are. But at the same time, we will not destroy you because the Rasul is still there. The Rasul is still what? He's still present. Hmm. The Quran says in Surah Al-Anfal that Allah is not about to punish them as long as you're with them. And Allah is not going to punish them as long as they make istighfar and tawbah. So the istighfar and tawbah overrides the calculation of the angels. Otherwise, if it's left to the angels, we should not be here. We'd be extinct. You go with that theory of survival of the fittest. We definitely are not the fittest. And we survive very well. It's only through Allah's khalam. It is through the institution of prophethood that we still exist today on the planet. It is through our belief that Muhammad sallallahu is the last messenger and our istighfar and our durood, our salat, in whichever form it is, is the reason why we still exist. See, Allah says that your Lord is not going to destroy nations until he has sent in the core okay, city, in its root city, the mother town, a Rasul, who is going to recite to them our signs. This has been established through Rasulullah sallallahu except he, he, he is still the Rasul of Allah. As we speak, he is still the Rasul of Allah. Okay. Even in his grave, he is still Rasulullah. That doesn't change. We still have to believe that Muhammad is Rasulullah. If we say Muhammad was Rasulullah, we are not Muslim. He is still Rasulullah. And because there is no Nabi after him, on the Day of Judgment, he will be Rasulullah. In our graves, he will be Rasulullah. So he is Rasulullah in every Adam, every world. So this is the law of cause and effect through a Nabi, through a Rasul, through the human institution of Nabuwa and Risala. This Allah has fallen. Allah has mentioned this to the Quraysh, that he raised a Nabi from you. He is from your blood. And he is from the tribe of Quraysh. And that's why you have not been destroyed. Otherwise, having 360 idols in the haram is more than enough to destroy you a hundred times over. More than enough. But because of the Rasul, you have been spared. Okay, so he's a Rahmah for you. Even if you reject him, he's a Rahmah. This is the institution of prophethood. وَمَا كُنَّا مُهْلِكُ الْقُرَىٰ إِلَّا وَأَهْلُهَا ظَالِمُونَ And we are not going to be destroying nations except when they, its inhabitants, become ظالم and unjust and they rule with injustice. So injustice at different levels. When, what is injustice at the spiritual level? Where human beings deny the existence of God, which is injustice, meaning the atheists, or they say that God has a partner, which is the polytheists, either the atheists or the polytheists. That's injustice, that's shirk, or the lack of realizing there is a God. 
So at that spiritual level, or whichever distorted way you believe in God. So at the spiritual level, there is injustice. Here, this injustice is at the physical level. Okay? The political and social level. So wherever there is social or political injustice, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will create the way for that tyrant to be destroyed. Okay. With the advent of the Prophet this is the rule. Before the Prophet as you see in the case of Fir'aun, that he wanted to kill Musa and his people, and he is also unjust, those two components combined led to his demise. So there is now advice in this ayah to everybody, that if you rule with justice, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will spare you in this dunya, but he will question you in the other world, in the other dunya, where in the akhirah, he will ask you why you did not believe in him correctly, because Allah has shown signs of his oneness throughout every human being's lives and history. Everyone knows inherently that Allah is one. This is as far as the dunya. When you feel that you are not unjust in the world, and you say, oh, I'm okay, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has another uh, set of rules for you to think about. وَمَا أُوْتِيْتُمْ مِنْ شَيْنْ فَمَتَاعُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَزِينَتُهَا Understand this, that whatever you have been given of the dunya, Whatever you've been given in the form of worldly blessings, they are mere, okay, temporary comforts for this life. Mata is something that is temporary for this life, and it's also is decoration ornament. So if you're in the the guest house of someone's house, or if you're in the waiting room, uh, or in the lounge of an airport or a train station, and you live there feel it is so good and comfortable and warm and everything is available to you, then you must know that you will leave that lounge and waiting room someday although it's decorated it is beautiful so when you tour the world mashallah, and you have things in the world and you feel oh, I've made it big then we say yes, you've made it big in the dunya okay What's next? Whatever is with Allah is much better and much more permanent. Do you not have any sense? Don't you have any understanding? Don't you have any intelligence whatsoever? And that if you only strive for joy, pleasure, comfort for this world, you will die. And as uh, mentioned before, Nations who came before you had much more comfort, pleasure, and decorations and ornaments in this world than you can think of. You can't even conceive of the pleasures that they enjoyed. Right? There's no way. That's why you roam around the world and you visit places and they are like this and they are like that. And they are just, you know, don't, don't have to go very far, but in the African nations of Muslims, mashallah, see the Mansa uh, Musa, a great ruler 
of West Africa when he went for Hajj. He brought so much gold with him that the gold price in Cairo dropped. The gold market just dropped. That's how much gold he brought from West Africa all the way to Egypt and then into the, the Kaaba and the Haram. It's how much gold depositories or fake gold on paper. <laughs> Real gold. First of all, how do you transport that much? And how much did he have to say that Egypt is now insignificant? Right? This is just in the Muslim era. And this is one example in the Muslim era. It's recent. If you go with other people, Fir'aun, the Quran speaks about well, the luxuries and the lavish expenditure of Fir'aun and the people before him and the people after him. So, so what I'm saying is that whatever a human being becomes in this world, a millionaire, a billionaire, a trillionaire, it's for this world. He's going to die. How much of that is he taking to his grave? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. What's going to be in the grave? وَمَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ خَيْرٌ Whatever Allah has with him is much better and much more permanent. أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ Don't you have any sense that you're not working for the Akhirah? And you assume that this is the code of life is what's going to transfer into the other life. It doesn't work that way. In the other world, your currency will be your iman and good deeds. In this world, your currency is your gold, silver, and your dollar, whatever. Your assets. In the other world, there's no currency. You can't buy anything there except with iman and good deeds. If you have that currency, you're okay. Because that is now deposited with Allah. Allah has invested that. How does Allah invest? That if you bring one good deed, He'll give you ten good things in return. That's how He invests. In this world, you have to find someone extremely generous, and perhaps even conniving and deceiving, to say that I'll give you ten in place of one. You won't find a human being who will try to think of selling you that. I'll give you that. A thousand percent return. You're crazy. Allah says, I'll give you a thousand percent return for one good deed. If you recite one letter of the Quran, you'll get ten rewards, the Prophet said. One letter will give you ten rewards. That's a thousand, ten thousand, a thousand percent. Right? That's an investment. Why? Because it's with Allah. Whatever is with Allah is better. And much more permanent, because Allah is permanent, Allah is better, so whatever He owns for you, your assets, is much better, much more permanent. And that's number one. Number two, the continuous effect of that reward will be permanent also in Jannah. Because when Allah gives you the reward for that act and deed, that reward will remain for you permanently in Jannah. It won't go away. If you eat an apple here, you digest it and it's gone. You eat an apple in Jannah, it will continue. Okay? You'll be eating the same apple over and over again, except that each bite will yield a better taste than the first bite. That's how permanent things are in Jannah.
the people want lavish dinners and parties and clothing, etc., etc., which is okay. Technically haram, morally, diabolic, technically halal. Technically, in laws of Sharia, you would be hard, uh, or you call it, um, you'd be, be very hard pressed to find that you are not invited to a lavish party here in Chicago on the weekends. Right? Even if you don't know anybody, somebody's going to invite you, come to this party. And in that party you have dozens and dozen types of food, this, this, that, blah, blah, blah. blah. You eat it, digest it, and the rest is history. One fruit in Jannah will last you forever. But how do you get that fruit? Not by slogging for other people from seven to seven every day. <coughs> by saying, Subhanallah, once. It's a very easy trade-off. Afalat aqilun. Don't you have any sense whatsoever? You have no aql, you have no intelligence, that you're roaming around like chicken without heads in the world, and you believe that this is success? Allah says, we gave the world to other people before you, and after you, much more than we gave it to you. They didn't survive, you're not going to survive. What's going to survive is your iman and your good deeds. So spend ten minutes of your day thinking about what is permanent. Right, earn your dunya, fine. But make sure that you know where you're going. Don't you have any sense, understanding of reality whatsoever. So, now what you do is you extend this individual lifestyle to the society and the community in which you live. And as a society, if you're going to promote that the be-all, end-all is to make sure you have economic prosperity and nothing else where your morals will be eroded over time. Why, why is that? <coughs> because there's cause and effect. What is cause and effect? I am not comfortable until I have this phone or this car or this sofa or this house or this clothing. In order for me to procure all of these things, I need to work. And in order for me to be able to buy this, I need money. In order for me to be able to exchange these things with the money, I need others to work so that they can build these things that I want. Very simple. Home economics. Very simple. Nothing sophisticated about it. So the people who work, they need to be paid also. But if I pay them too much, then uh, I will not be able to afford this thing, because this thing will cost too much, and I don't earn that much to be able to afford this. So you have exploitation on this side, and you have exploitation on this side. One is israf, yeah. extravagance, and the other is now, what do you call it? Exploiting the workers. Right. This is how you become morally... Um, Eroded. That's all you think of. That's your PNL. Right. So when the Quraysh became like this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this eye. Or oh, this message through the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is not averse to business or to the world. 
is not as if he doesn't know how the world works. He knows very well how the world works. But he has another now equation which you don't know. And that is, if you do not work for your Akhirah, you will be doomed. That knowledge you don't have, he has. So you bring his knowledge into your dunya, and you will be successful. But if you remove his knowledge from the dunya, you will be doomed. So when Muslims understand that even at the societal level, and the governmental level, we are not going to allow being that extravagant where it destroys the morality and the fabric of the community and society, then they were successful. But when Muslims also went overboard uh, in their lavish uh, style of living and in their expenses expenditure, then that's when Muslims were doomed also. It doesn't matter who you are. This is cause and effect. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala works in this world. And in the other world, he works through another system, another nidham. Yeah. And what is that? This is the nidham. أَفَمَوْعَدْنَاهُ وَعَدٌ حَسَنٌ فَهُوَ لَاقِيهِ كَمَنْ مَتَّعْنَاهُ مَتَعْنَا حَيَاتِ الدُّنْيَا ثُمَّ هُوَ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ مِنَ الْمُحْضَرِينَ That the person to whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised, a good promise, and he is going to now meet it. Meaning that he has promised Jannah for those people who do good deeds. And they show some, uh, can, they, they, social, they show some restraint in this world from being, uh, indulging all the time, every day, 24-7 in luxuries. Then Allah has promised them through their sabr uh, and their patience, promised them Jannah. He is going to meet it. What is the beautiful promise? The promise of Jannah. How does Jannah come? By behaving this way, by living this way, by having this approach and this attitude to the world. Iman and good deeds. Is he like Is he like the one for whom we have provided for the temporary provisions of the dunya, but then on the day of judgment he will be from those who are arraigned? those who are brought forward for questioning in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his court that they will be made to ask uh, to answer questions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will pose and then he will be in a state of fright and fear almost perpetually until Allah forgives him so the person who wants peace and security in this world and the world hereafter will listen to Allah's promise and a person who doesn't want to listen to Allah's promise will be faced with fear on the Day of Judgment, which is a fear uh, like none other that we can describe in this world. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now being very uh, merciful that he is informing human beings as individuals and as a society that this is the way for you to be successful here and there. So, if there are some financial constraints or economic constraints or some tests that are thrown your way in this world, then bear them with patience and grace. Okay? Don't fall over backwards and say, Allah is not happy with me. Okay? Yes, try and improve your situation by doing good work, um, taking initiatives, etc. But don't blame Allah. Don't blame God and don't blame your deen because you are not successful. 
At the same time, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you enough by which you can live comfortably in this world, then you must make sure that you don't bury your head in the sand and say, I've made it. Okay? Look towards the heavens and towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his rahmah, for his maghfirah. This is how the, the balance in the mind of a Muslim is, first of all, established, then it's maintained. Uh, once you have this, then you are, okay, then you will write your own story. Right? Musa, salam, his story is that he was raised in luxury, and then he was taken away from luxury into the desert. Then he was brought back into the place where there was luxury, but he was not allowed to benefit from those luxuries when he became a messenger and a rasul in front of Fir'aun. He wasn't allowed to live there. He had to live back where? With the Banu Israel, where they had very little. Okay? So now you can see it, but you can't touch it. Right? In the early life of Musa, was it? Not only did he see it and touch it, he was it, he lived it. In the desert, there was nothing. He had to work eight years and ten years of his life just to make ends meet. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala returned him to the palace. I see all these luxuries again. Allah says, you can see it, but you can't touch it. Now these are the phases of a prophet's story. One, two, three. Right. And then as he's moving away from the Red Sea, all of that is destroyed. What Fir'aun has, and his people, everything is destroyed. So now he's doomed. Finished, khalas, that's the end of that story. Right. So here, what is the balance in the mind of a Muslim? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is my Lord, He is my Rabb, He takes care of me, He has provided me with this and that. I am happy with this at this moment. If I need improvement, I will work towards the improvement, I will make dua. And if I feel I'm okay, I'm okay. At the same time, I must meet Allah one day. As this ayah says, فَهُوَ لَاقِيهِ He is going to make mulaqat, liqa, meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one-on-one on the Day of Judgment. I have to prepare for that meeting, for that appointment, for that interview also, which is much better than any interview in this world. And once he has a mindset to prepare for that appointment and interview, he will be blessed. But if he loses focus of that interview, then he will be doomed. Not because Allah wants him to be, but because he has brought about this doom upon himself. And this is the way forward for all Muslims in this world. That we have to write our own story. Our own story is written through iman and good deeds. If we are now negligent, <coughs> there is still time for tawbah istighfar and to come back to the right path. This is a message of the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, not just for non-Muslims but also for Muslims that Muslims will also be guilty of becoming oblivious and heedless and neglectful because sometimes they just remain asleep. Okay, so Muslims need to wake up from their slumber and realize the potential they have to improve themselves here and meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the ultimate goal is that we're going to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If He's happy with us, then we will meet Him in happy condition, inshallah. Allah make that happen for all of us, inshallah.
Jazakumullah khair. We'll stop here for this week and inshallah reconvene next week. Jazakumullah. Subhanallah. Alhamdulillah. Subhanakallah. Alhamdulillah. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanarabbika rabbil 'izati 'amma yasifun. Wa salaamun 'ala al-mursaleen. Alhamdulillah.